0: Listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawks Day. This is a program called Instant Zone Peak Performance Every Day, and it's my pleasure for the first time this year to have in the studio Edmund Otis. How are you going, Edmund? I'm good, Ken. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to you. And so far, so good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're only a weekend, so I'm okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, we were just having a little bit of before we came to where the, the world is it has gone mad. There's a lot of people out there who probably need to come and see you. Something.
1: Something. Yeah, yeah there's more and more people seem to be holding on to more and more delicate views, you know, and their emotions are guiding them, which which, in a sense, right, you know, if we're talking about peak performances, how do you integrate... Your feelings, with your emotions, with knowledge, to do the things you want to do. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just see. But there's some yeah, crazy
0: stuff out there. there is. I often see uh, things on Facebook about common sense, and common sense
1: seems to have disappeared from a <laughs> yeah. major part of our society. Is that what you're finding in your, in your daily work? Well, not not so much. You know, I mean, you could make the argument it's obsolete, but I think most people yes. um, most people use a fair amount of common sense. I mean, you look at how many people there are. You look at how we've done. I know we're talking a little bit about the whole COVID thing. We seem to be focused on the people who are outliers. But I think what New Zealand, based on science, based on just, you know, statistics and medical reports, you know, that are emotion free over 90 percent of the people in new zealand uh, have gotten vaccinated yeah okay it's the right thing for them it's the right thing for others um and and it's common sense some people have some hesitation some people don't but you you look at data that's what we've always done uh it seems to me that some people and for all different reasons political dietary um, habits uh, the covid thing seem to identify themselves based on how extreme or different their opinions are from everybody else, and some kind of secret knowledge. That's a little concerning to me.
0: Now, today we're going to talk about uh, an article that we came across, and uh, it's written by Dr. Ovid, who is a pediatric neurologist, and he's warning of a silent tragedy that's unfolding in our home. So I'm reading it from, from his uh, page. Uh, it's a silent tragedy and it's um, mental health issues in children. And some of the stats that he's written is uh, one in five children have mental health issues. 43% uh, increase was observed in ADHD. An increase of thirty-seven percent teenage depression. Are we too easy? Do you think to label something which has been around since Adam was a cowboy, but um, we didn't used to call it well, depression or mental health issues? Well,
1: I, I, have, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I love this article. I, I appreciate that you you shared it online. Um, again, can you what, what's his medical background? What is he? Uh, he's a pediatric neurologist. Okay. So what's interesting about this is as we talk about it, and it's one of the things we've talked about. Uh, pediatric means obviously cares for children. Mm-hmm. Neurologist is he's mainly interested in the nervous system which is biological it's science based it's you know it's biochemical but everything in his article as he talks about this reinforces the fact that all the things he's concerned about are results of social phenomena mm-hmm. and what he's looking at there and even though it doesn't say it is that what happens in our relationships and our habits and our society and how we interact with each other and what we do has a significant impact on our mental health. And that's a key thing. That's really important. Yeah,
0: And it seems to be that it's just affecting this current generation of kids, doesn't it? Because if we want the clock back, or even when my kids uh, were small, which is not that long ago, and particularly when I was a, a child... There didn't seem to be anything like this around at all, did there? Or if there was, it was the exception rather than the rule. Now it's the rule.
1: Well, it was the exception, and I think in some – and if you look at the statistics deeper, we tended to ignore some of it. But there's no arguing right now that, Mm. you know, as he points out, the levels of – you know, just youth suicide, and youth suicide attempts. Yeah. Uh, what we identify as youth anxiety has gone up tremendously. And why I why I think it's so interesting that he's a neurologist is what we know is it is not the case. It's happened in such a short period of time. It is not the case that our biology has changed biologically. We are not different. So the change has to be is what are kids experiencing in their surroundings now. That's different than just 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. Well,
0: we've got a whole list. So we're going to go through that. Yeah. Um, but the most frightening statistic I think he had in that article was a 200% increase in the suicide rate yeah. among children
1: 10 to 14. Yes. Um, as I've mentioned before, we talked about this a few months ago. There's this, if anybody wants to look online, there's a, a magazine that does a lot of really interesting stuff called The Atlantic. It's a US magazine. And if they look up, if you look at an article, you can just go online, um, Atlantic Magazine, Youth. Depression, and they look at some immediate research, and what's stunning to me, based exactly on that statistic, the number one factor related to youth suicide—you may remember we talked about this last time—the absolute number one factor related to youth suicide, youth suicide attempts—is the number of minutes a day kids spend on devices. Mm. Has that's more important than socioeconomic? That's more more important than the dynamics of the family. It's broken families, this and that. That has a significant impact for all kinds of neurological reasons. Yeah. It's just, yeah,
0: that kids are uh, these days are overstimulated and overgiven material objects. But I wonder the stimulation that uh, we might have had when we were growing up, and, and particularly in what you've done in, with your life, because, you know, uh, people might, might not all know that you are a master at martial arts. Well, imagine the stimulation that you have on a daily basis. It must be tremendous. Um, but so, how's it different between what you did and what kids are doing? Well,
1: I think I think it's different. I think what you need, and I, and I believe this because I'm so involved in sports, yes, and the martial arts and all that. I think it's different when you look at a term like overstimulation. What that means is you're stimulated from a variety of immediate stimulants. There's a bunch of stuff going. on. That's different than intense stimulation. Mm. Intense stimulation is good for you. You focus on one thing for a long period of time. You get development. You get brain functioning. You get uh, physiological responsiveness. What he's talking about there, we look at, is the fact that, you know, we can jump from one thing to another to another to another in a matter of seconds. Mm. You know, they look at now lately how, how... quickly you scroll through your, your phone screen, right? If you're just killing time, you just scroll through. People now tend to identify whether or not they're bored by something in less than a second and a half. Yeah, They haven't had the opportunity to even read it. Um, you know, just for us, you know, we're old enough. If you yeah, remember, yes. I don't know if you remember, maybe uh, I remember right before, people are going to laugh, Okay, right before TV remotes came over, came out yeah. my dad would get up and say go change the channel yeah. for me and so i'd have <laughs> to walk right. across and then we got a remote but if you notice now that we have remotes now that we have cable now that we have access to a hundred different channels we're less satisfied with what's on TV. You're dead right there. We spend more time. You know, we used to have a favorite TV show. Now, if it's boring for a second, mm. we change. That is not physiologically good for children, no. because what happens is, you know, they learn not to be interested in stuff. They learn to jump back and forth. And most importantly, as the article talks about later, what we're doing is minimizing our um, our responsiveness and minimizing our endurance in dealing with frustration. Yeah.
0: That's not only kids, of course, because that's yeah. a good analogy that you made about the TV. Um, <laughs> we, we've we've got Netflix at home, for better or for worse. Someone might suggest at this point, and that is, we can literally spend a good half hour flicking through the prayers until we think, "Oh, okay, let's have a look," and then, "Oh, that wasn't much chop. Let's find another one." What's wrong with that? What's wrong with us?
1: What, what the problem is, you 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 fail, you lose the capacity to develop appreciation for what's in front of you. You lose the capacity for. Uh, Attention! You lose the capacity for concentration. You lose the ability to control your frustration. You know, later in the article, it talks about the fact that kids, you know, uh, parents are continually writing to their rescue. What we t- what we seem to be telling kids, and espe- again, especially if you have a device that, if you're bored for a second, you can thumb through to mm-hmm. something else. It, te- it what it did it kills your capacity to tolerate any kind of frustration. Um, and. Life is all about frustration. It, it, it isn't that you always get what you want. Now, this isn't that you don't get what you want, you move to something you do want. What you've learned is nothing satisfies you. Yes.
0: What's the answer? Uh, this is like when we've, we've spoken about this a hundred times, uh, but yeah. this is about the, like, that kid who's got his finger in the dike. Yes. It's coming,
1: isn't it? Yeah. The, the answer is, and I think later in the article, you, you need to do some behavioral stuff. Families nowadays, uh, you have to go out of your way you know we eat together two or three times a week that's useful for people that brings people closer together when we eat together there are no phones at the table not only for the kids not for the adults we spend time away from our devices okay we do we get involved in actual physical activities Okay? And what, what you'll notice is that even though a lot of kids now are, you know, I'll, I'll use the term legitimately, addicted to their devices, mm-hmm. if you take the devices away and you take them out and you go camping, you go do something else, in a matter of you know, a few minutes, they become interested in something else. You know, if, if a yeah, kid has a choice absolutely. of sitting on the, on the blanket by the beach, thumbing through what his friends are doing, but you take the phone away, so oh, let's leave the phones in the car and they're sitting at the beach and in a short period of time, they'll go down and look at the riptides, tides yep. and they'll be playing, they'll be playing in the surf. Okay. And they'll be trying to catch little things and they'll be running around and they'll be focusing that it isn't that I'm saying it, you know, it's old style. It's better in the old days, but physiologically, that's what we're designed for. We're designed to pay attention to what's in front of us, and we're designed to have a balance between what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and what we're doing.
0: But you're never going to wind the clock back because uh, part of that article talked about uh, digital distracted parents. Yes. And uh, the parents are just as bad as the kids. So what hope? can't blame the kids. What hope have the kids got when the parents are just as bad?
1: Well, hopefully some people are listening to this and going, we, maybe we should read that article or look at some articles, you know, and we're going to make a rule that, you know, you come in the house, phones phones go in the kitchen. We're not doing phones in the house. Yeah. You know, or we're not doing... I mean, there's really cool research going on. I don't know what the percentage is, but so many people, you know, just in case it's like, you know, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or the Queen of England that have an emergency going on, the people leave their phone on by their bed. Okay. Even, you know, we we know that even if... It doesn't ring. That affects your sleep cycle, mm. because part of your attention is paying attention to something that it might happen. Um, there's some cool research. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I, you can find it um, that a sleep, you know, the sleep pattern of young mothers, mothers who have babies, mm-hmm. is always you know, always you're exhausted for the first four years if you're, if you're a young mom. But that's physiological, because because you've had a child, part of your attention is awake to see if there's anything important. People who sleep with their phones by the bed have the same sleep, same sleep cycles, except they don 't have a baby they 're just somebody 's just dinging them because of who knows what yeah, yeah.
0: why do you think we need to uh, have an endless search for brighter, better technology when you know even when, even what we 've got today for instance, is probably old hat in six months' time. What is it about us that um, it's just human craves nature.
1: That? It's just human nature. We, we want something new. It's I mean, you know, it isn't all bad. again, I, I remember for three or four shows ago I left, you and I sound like the guy who goes,, uh-uh, we're not using fire in my cave. you know <laughs> the right. wheel the, the wheel is evil, send it back. <laughs> we're not doing that. But you know, there's an incredible amount of absolutely easy access stimulus. It's as bad um, as any any drugs you're looking at. Right, the fact that I can look at something, get a little tiny bit of pleasure, then flick my finger and get something else, and it can be continually stimulated—people like that. It's human nature. Yeah. Okay. If we're going to do what's right, we have to almost go in opposition to what we normally do. You know, it's the same reason there's obesity. You know, humans developed throughout the ages, or were created, depending on your point of view. Okay, to crave calorie-dense foods. Right. So we want high protein, high fat. So that means up to a hundred years ago, if I wanted high protein, me and my mates had to get together, get a spear, get a gun, go out hunting, use thousands of calories to bring back and have a mm. steak. Okay, so there was a balance there. Now we drive through Burger King,
0: yeah. get as
1: much endurance. The same with sugars; we were drawn to high, high, you know, high sweetness because it's calorie. But now we can get it no matter what. So it's almost the technology is in opposition to our evolutionary development.
0: I wonder if you had a crystal ball, <laughs> I mean, and looking down the track, can you put a time frame on and when it might change? I know, for instance, when I get home from here, or well, particularly when I finish, I finish early on a Friday, knock off at midday, and I get home and if I, I don't know, if I just, I've got to do the lawns, I do the lawns, and I go and say, well, what are we going to do? I say, let's go and do something. Yeah. Let's go to town, because of the type of job that I have, and you know, I get here really early, you don't get out and about. Yeah. I want to be out and around people, but. I said, "Oh my God! Just sit down. You're sort of like a, you know, you're like an ADHD. Well, I'm not. I just want to get out there and myself rather than sitting you know, either watching
1: TV. What, what people need, you know, and again, you know, there's all different ways of looking at. It. You know, for example, I, I've talked about this before. This whole uh, push towards mindfulness is brilliant. Mindfulness is a good thing. Usually, I tend to be a bit, <clears throat> excuse me, I tend to be a bit cynical about these new approaches to yep. mental health. Mindfulness is brilliant. It's a real simple way to understand that you're focused on what you're doing." Okay, what people need and what gives us a sense of satisfaction, and weirdly it's almost like a sense a meditative sense of well being, is to do something in real time. Okay. Virtual reality is not actual reality. Mm. Okay, so doing something where, again, you know, and we talk about this with high performance in different ways, you know, the best athletes in the world, you know, if you're on a soccer field and you're in the world championships and that's ball, the ball's coming to you, if you can not worry about the outcome, not worry about the crowd and just absolutely focus on the ball, on what you're doing, on the goal and the guy, you're in real time, it's restful humans need to do things that are real time we need to look at each other and talk to each other you know when you go out you sit in a bar you go listen to a band that's you in real time doing something actual
0: what's the difference between um what we're talking about now kids on their devices to one in the clock back when i was a kid i was always I had my head in a book yeah and you know my parents "What? get outside and re- play you're always reading books what's
1: the difference well, well, there's a lot of difference, right? I mean, you do need to get outside and play. But if you think about it, okay, when you're reading a book, you're reading one thing, you're focused on one thing. Okay, you're mastering your sense of boredom. You know, maybe this chapter, I, I remember, I, I'm, I'm just like that. Mm-hmm. I, I used to really read a lot. And um, I remember my, my dad telling me, you know, you pick up a book, you know, so you don't have to get all the way through it. But read three or four chapters before you know if you like it or not. Okay, it gives you time to process the information. Again, a book is one thing. The the difficult thing about the devices is you can jump from one thing to another, to another, to another without catching your breath. So you never develop a sense of well-being and satisfaction Mm. and mastery. Because in the same way, you're always saying to yourself, maybe there's something better. Maybe there's something more interesting. Automatically, that creates a sense of dissatisfaction. Okay, maybe somebody else is talking to me. Maybe I can see something else. So what you're doing is you're learning that nothing you're doing right now is as good as what might be out there that you're missing. That becomes a challenge. Is there an upside to endless stimulation? You know, if you can control it, everybody does. Again, we were talking before. Everybody doesn't have a problem with this. Okay, we're looking, you know, at a fairly high percentage of kids. I mean, there's other factors going on. Um, you know, they're, they're not as connected to their peers. You know, often their parents are distracted. Often there's just too much. But there's, there's a lot of kids. I mean, I have optimism. The majority of people are doing well. You know, the majority of people are satisfied. The majority of people can turn it off. The majority of people can recognize this as a tool. But, you know, if, I, if we have any parents listening, okay, they need to think about this. Is Are we using these devices as tools? Or are they controlling us? Well, you've got uh, youngish
0: kids, yeah, who are just entering the business world, and they, you know, they're relatively young. Uh, do they have the problem? I mean, uh, do they have devices with them all the time, and do they control it?
1: They seem they seem to be pretty good. Um, we're, we're fortunate. Um, my oldest right now is visiting me. He just came up for a few days. Um, he's he and he, he's talked about that. He's really good at putting it away when he doesn't need it. He's old school enough, you know. He's yeah. twenty seven, but he still yeah. reads books. You know, he he, uh, he likes that kind of thing. Uh, my youngest is pretty good, but you know, it's it's the medium. Yeah, you know, there's a lot on there, but the question is almost, okay, is there a sense that you're using it for something you need, or is there a sense that you're so desperate that you you're drawn to it continually? You know, it's you know, everybody who drinks is not an alcoholic. No, you know, and it's almost that old old saying out of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know. One drink is too many and a hundred isn't enough. Mm, well, if you've got yeah. a problem with this, okay, no matter how much time you spend on it, it's not going to be enough. And if you sit back and think to yourself, I'm never satisfied. I've never had enough. One one of the aspects of addiction, uh, what indicates whether someone's addicted or not, is whether or not whatever you're using or taking or looking at, do you say to yourself, whoa, I'm done with that. I don't want any more. Yeah. That's a good sign.
0: Sure. Okay, so let's presume that uh, there are many addicts out there. It's almost yeah. like it's a new heroine, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so how do, you, how do you come down from it? Um, from a parent's point of view, who's got kids, wh- what are we going to do to help our kids break the cycle?
1: Well, you go, you go into treatment. You decide that there's a problem okay you make some ground rules i think in the article it's really really good you know you make some ground yep. rules i mean one of the ground rules for families and i can't emphasize how important this is not only because of the devices but it brings people together physiologically uh, and psychologically you know some families decide no matter how busy we are we're going to have three meals together a week mm. Now, you know, for 30 years ago, of course, you eat together every time. I don't think that's practically more. But can we eat together three meals a week and just talk to each other? Um, You you develop an acceptance that, you know, it's okay to be bored. Mm. You know, boredom is not a bad thing and it's okay to be bored together. Yes, it you is, know, yes, it's true. Um, You know, I, I think, you know, one of the worst things people did, I don't know if they have them here, but in the US is when the in the vans for families they started putting TVs in the backseat. <laughs> yeah. You know, so your kids are bored. Screw yeah. that. If we're bored, we're all bored
0: together. <laughs> Play I spy.
1: Yeah, yeah. You do all that, right? You yeah. punch each other in the arm.
0: Yeah, you know, dad
1: what has what to pull over and say you do that again, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, but you do the same thing you would do you do with any other any other compulsion. You, almost... you allocate it, you spend time not doing it, you accept the fact that it's an issue, okay, and you do other things. The thing about it is parents, I don't believe a lot of parents have enough confidence in their kids. Yeah. They're so worried that their co- child might be frustrated, or they're so worried that their child might dis- be disappointed. What they're actually telling them is, you can't tolerate frustration. You're brittle.
0: Yeah. Which is a great segue into the second part of uh, this article yeah. that we read, and that is that um, we need to make our kids more independent of us. Yes, And I was surprised to read that, you know, it says, yeah, don't pack your kid's backpack, don't carry your kid's backpack. Um,
1: who does that? But obviously lots of people do. Lots of people. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know if you've noticed. Um, it seems to me like in the we've been here for 14 years now. Mm. But even here then in the US, you know, 20 years ago, there were not that many cars outside of elementary schools dropping their kids off and picking them up. Yeah, True. Okay, there was a lot of bikes out there, but there, there, there weren't that many cars. Yeah. Okay, um, now you have a lot of that. We, we, we are so concerned that our children are brittle that we give them that message.
0: Or is it not cool to ride a bike or walk to school? I don't care. You got to get to school. Yeah. Whatever you want. So we drop the kids off because it makes our life easier because Ma- the kids are moaning at us all the makes time. Makes our
1: life easier. Yeah. You know, they, in the article, they talk about, you know, boredom. The parents seem to be worried if the kids are bored. You know, my, my solution to boredom, I, I've always bragged to everybody. I think we talked about yes, this also. Right? My kids have only been bored once. <laughs> I swear to God, the very first time my kid came to me and said I was bored, he ended up washing the windows of the house. Yeah. Okay? And if he was still bored, he could mow the lawn. He never, <laughs> they never mentioned that again. No, I
0: suppose not. Yeah. Because you were one of those mean guys. So. Yeah, yeah. I am. But, um, you know, like, for instance, my, my granddaughter, loved the bits, and uh she- when i she's always saying nana get me this nana get me that i say hang on you go and get it you know, nana's not getting it for you um but because it's easy street for parents isn't it
1: yeah well i mean it's it's it, it takes time to train i'll use the word takes time to train children yeah you know i think a good thing in that article is good you know it says that from the time your kids could walk they should do chores not a lot of chores yeah. But, you know, if you're old enough, and my wife told me this, right, if our kids are old enough to stand on just, just two legs and not crawl, they're old enough to bring their toys back to their room. That's now, right. the thing about giving kids chores, it's not that it's mean, I can't emphasize it enough, it teaches them that they're valuable. Yep. A child who has a responsibility to the family knows that that family depends on him. He's valuable. That's important, whether it's just drying the dishes yep. or picking up the dog poop or yep. whatever it is.
0: Great point. When I left home at 16, uh, I went flatting and uh, there wasn't a thing I couldn't do. Yeah. I could cook a, yeah. a proper roast. You know, I could, anything I could do it. But I suppose what we don't realize as adults, particularly younger adults, is that the kids are actually training them, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Sort of, and we don't know it.
1: Well i mean, but it's it's true, but parents are so busy now, i mean even you know now you know if there are two parents at home, both parents actually have to work, yeah, you know thirty forty years ago, you know that wasn't the case, we had an economy where- one parent could stay mm-hmm. home. Um, you know, that's changed. I think that's too bad. But that's, you know, that's economics. And you could do a whole different thing about, you know, the government with that. But, you know, it's different. So parents are overwhelmed as well. Parents need to be as vigilant for their own mental health as, as they need to be for their kids.
0: It's not going to get any better, though, is it? We just about to come to the end. And I can just see that... Um no one's going to take the technology away from anyone.
1: Well, I don't know. You know, I, I believe that. But also I believe the fact that there's articles like this that people are talking about. People are becoming more aware. You know, you look at, again, the horrifying youth suicide rates. And, you know, it breaks my heart. New Zealand's the worst country mm. in the world right now, um, which, which is stunning. But you look at that, people are going to find uh, find solutions. You're seeing more articles like this. You're seeing more and more people aware of this. But it is not that our species has changed. Okay. It's just that the environment right now is not conducive to resilience, to peak performance. And what we can do is we know what to do, how to do that. You know, it's silly. That isn't silly, but as obvious as it is, getting your kids to play sport, there is almost yes. nothing as emotionally healthy for a kid to play sports.
0: You might have just preempted me. I was going to say we've got one minute to go. And uh, if you could give as someone listening to this program, in particular, a parent, your one top tip to start addressing this problem uh, with their kids, what would it be?
1: Have them do something physically active that engages their mind. Uh, I'm big with sports, as we know, you mm-hmm. know, in the community, I have a karate club. Uh, we have a tremendous number of kids. Okay, teach them that they're resilient, but nothing engages us emotionally, mentally, physically as much as physical exertion. And then the thing about sports is you learn to cooperate. You learn to work as a group. It's all that corny stuff that the spartans knew yes right you know it's that stuff we talked about it's why you know high schools you know hundreds of years ago started playing rugby it's the same yeah. that is that is crucial that helps
0: i wonder when you got your uh, your kids at your dojo and uh you say okay that's it uh kids uh, the training's over um do they rush to their phones
1: no it's no. good that's no. great not at all yeah they, they're pretty engaged they hang around and talk to each other yeah. they try to beat each other a little bit more <laughs> I Good think it's all pretty fun.
0: <laughs> Good on you, Edmund. It's always my pleasure. You look after Sip. So we'll talk to the same time, tonight, please, next time. You too. Take care. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.